Amen. Well, it's brilliant to be here. Um, slightly surreal just coming from the in-person service at Guilt Park and just arriving here. And I'll just tell you, gosh, how emotional. You know, the last time I preached live to our church with a room for the people was, I think it was like the 20th, 22nd of March, maybe the 15th of March, 2020. And so, um, so, it's so powerful, so good to be in a room with other people. And I just so, if you're able to, if you live nearby and you're able to come and come to one of the in-person services, you must do it. Just to be able to sing and, and uh, worship with other people, so powerful. So we are continuing our series called Growing Up, looking at what is a mature believer. You know, like, let's not pretend that we might assume what a mature believer is. Let's look what, look what a biblical, biblically true believer, mature believer is. And uh, we're going to jump straight in this morning to Romans chapter 8. If you've got a Bible with you, then feel free to produce it. If you haven't got a Bible, then you could just Google Romans 8 and you'll find this passage. And so we're going to read Romans 8. We're going to read from verse 5. It says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh just can't please God. And for the sake of brevity, we're going to skip down to verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That's where we're going to finish this morning. These are hugely challenging times, aren't they? And, and it's never been more important than it is right now for us to grow up in God, to put our roots down deep, to refuse to live lives uh, and to live out our faith in a way that is superficial or synthetic. Uh, we have to have the real thing and we have to have it in large quantities. And um, it seems to me that perhaps the most important question to ask when we're thinking about this concept of maturity is what's the difference? What's the difference between... If you were to, to, to pull a man off the street and, and then you were to pull out a, a, a person of sincere and deep and profound faith, what's the difference ha in, in the way that they live their lives? Um, and so, you know, if we were to just take said man off the street and we were to uh, ask him some questions, we, we would say, so just tell me, how do you live your life? How do you decide what the best way to live is, then their answer might be something like this. They might say, well, to be honest with you, it's really difficult. It's really difficult to know what to do because there are so many voices. You know, they might say, I've got my uh, ringing in my ears. I've got my uh, parents' voice, my siblings' voice, my spouse's voice. I've got my children's voices, my grandchildren's voices. I've got my employer's voices. I've got... Twitter or TikTok or Facebook or Instagram. I've got all of these voices uh, speaking into my life. There are so many voices. There are also so many questions. Who should I marry? When should I retire? What coffee should I buy? What car should I buy? Where should I go after church today? All of these are questions in my mind too. 
Uh, so there are so many voices, there are so many questions. And then there's just so much noise, isn't there? It's such a noisy world. Roadworks, traffic jams, um, podcasts, the radio, the TV. Uh, it's very, very difficult to be in a place that is truly quiet. And so if you were to ask the man on the street, how do you live? How do you make decisions about what the right thing to do is? They would say, well, you know, there is so many voices, there are so many questions, there's so much noise, and so in the end, I really just have to do what seems right to me. You know, I just have to do what seems right to me. And so if you were to ask a person of faith, mature, profound faith, you know, how do you live your life? They'd say, no, well, well I agree. It, it, there are um, lots of voices, and there are lots of questions, and there is lots of noise, but I'm not um, making decisions in my life based on what seems right to me. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to recognize and respond to the voice of God. I'm trying to recognize and respond to the voice of God. And really that's what um, uh, the Apostle Paul is laying, laying out for us here in this passage. When he talks about living according to the flesh, he's not talking about, I mean, probably... At first glance, we might think it's something to do with sex. You know, like it's a euphemism for sex. <laughs> Living according to the flesh, I get you. Uh, but that probably isn't what he's talking about. What he's talking about is just living according to whatever seems right at the time. You know, I'm just kind of, I'm just doing what seems right to me, to my family, what's good for my prosperity and my health. I'm just doing what seems right to me. And it might seem that that way of life, just doing what seems right to me, is liberating and expansive and free, you know, like I think most teenagers just want to do, I want to do what I want to do, you know, stop telling me to tidy my bedroom, I want my bedroom to be how I want my bedroom to be, I just want to do what's right to me. We might see, think that it's a free way to live, but actually what Paul says here is those, this is verse 5, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh, is death. It's not life, it's not free, it's death. And so he's contrasting this self-led life with a spirit-led life. A life that's in pursuit of the voice and the direction of God. And he says this in verse 6, the mind governed by or led by the spirit is life and peace. Isn't that what we all want? Life and peace. And the truth is that throughout the whole of human history and also throughout the whole canon of Scripture, uh, the one critical factor that determines the fruitfulness and the faithfulness of God's people is this. Are we recognizing and responding to the voice of God? Are we being led by the Spirit? Um, now, I want to prove that to you. And so what I want to do is take you on a whistle-stop tour through the whole of Scripture. So right at the very start of the book in Genesis uh, uh, chapter 1, 2, and 3, what you see is God saying, this is how I want you to live. And what's being contested is God's voice, of, is what God's saying. The, the serpent comes along and he says, did God really say that? It's, it's uh, what's being contested is what God is saying. And then if we were to fast forward a wee bit through to the Exodus story, God's people, the Israelites, are being rescued from slavery in Egypt. 
And once they're free, he says to them in Exodus 15, verse 26, this. If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what's right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, then good things will happen to you. Or that's a quick summary. And then he says in Leviticus 26, verse 14, but if you will not listen to me, and carry out these commands. And if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws, then bad things will happen to you. Do you see again, the question is, are they listening? Are they responding to God's voice? And the truth is that in the Old Testament, they rarely are listening and they rarely are responding. And so uh, you just get these moments in the, in the Psalms and the prophets and so on, where God is saying to them, please, just listen. Just open your ears. So, for example, Psalm 81, verse 8. Hear me, my people. Hear me, my people. And I will warn you, if you would only listen to me, Israel. You can see that just the desperation in, in his heart is, I just want my people to listen. And in Isaiah, God is promising his people. He's saying, listen, I, I, as you walk through life, I'm going to tell you which way to turn. If only you'll listen to me. So, um, Isaiah 30, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. But the truth is that they're never listening. And so later on, Isaiah, uh, the same prophet says this, Isaiah 42 verse 20, you've seen many things, but you pay no attention. Your ears are open, but they don't listen. Or uh, Isaiah 48, verse 8. You have neither heard nor understood. From of old, your ears have not been open. And so the whole of the Old Testament is like this disaster story. It's like a train crash in slow motion of these people just not listening to God. And so therefore, um, you know, they, they're living out the consequences of their own rebellion. And then Jesus comes as the ultimate expression of God's word. And time and time again, uh, when Jesus is teaching in his parables, for example, mostly in Mark and Luke's gospel, after nearly every parable, there's this phrase that Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Whoever has ears to hear. And in Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, Jesus' criticism of, of all of the religious leaders and the Pharisees is um, that though they see, they really don't see. And though they hear, they're really not hearing or understanding. And then he turns to his disciples in Matthew 13, verse 16. And he says, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. And then just to fast forward a wee bit through, in Hebrews chapters 3 and 4, you have this refrain that comes again and again. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. And then, you know, just to arrive at the end of the book, Revelation chapter 3, there's those famous verses where Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking. There's no handle on his side. You know, someone's got to open the door on the other side. And in, in Revelation 3, uh, verse 20, Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in 
Do you see, like, what actually is discipleship? What is being a person of God? What is, what is being a mature believer if it isn't hearing, listening, learning to recognize and respond to the voice of God? And in fact, that's really what the Apostle Paul is summarizing. He's summarizing the whole of the testimony of Scripture when in verse 14 of uh, Romans 8 that we read at the start there, he says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. We could say it the other way around. For those who are the children of God, they're led by the Spirit of God. Now, let me just say this. I'm not talking about the gift of prophecy here. Often when we talk about hearing God's voice, we're talking about the gift of prophecy. Listen, I love the gift of prophecy. You know, even uh, last week, Taryn and I were away at a, a, a meeting with some of our vineyard friends in, in Birmingham, and we were really just uh, wrestling through a particular thing and really trying to hear God. And we think we kind of got somewhere with that. And then we came home, and waiting for us was the post. And, and there was, uh, when we got home, there was uh, like a little written card. And in this card, someone had written, I just felt compelled to write you. And it was like a little prophetic word in this card. It was as if that person had been in the room in Birmingham. Just astonishing. So encouraging. Just a huge confirmation of everything that we uh, felt God say in the room. I love the gift of prophecy. And I want us to be a church that stirs up the gift of prophecy. And I want us to be a church that fans into flame all of the spiritual gifts. Especially the gift of prophecy. But I'm not talking about the gift of prophecy today. Neither am I talking about being a spirit-led church. You know, we want to be a spirit-led church. I, I, I love those chapters in the book of Acts where, you know, the people of God, they're, they're gathering in a room somewhere and they're worshipping the Lord and they're praying and they're fasting and then the Holy Spirit speaks into their situation and suddenly, every, you know, the whole mission of the church shifts and they find a new opportunity opening up for them and they step into that opportunity. And we want to be that kind of church that is dynamic, that's agile, that's led by the Spirit of God. We want to be those people. But I'm not talking about that either today. Because the gift of prophecy is hearing God for other people. And being a spirit-led church is hearing God together. But I'm not speaking about that. What I'm speaking about is hearing God for myself. You know, Jesus said, my sheep, they know my voice and they follow me. That's what I'm speaking about. And that's mature faith. I wonder where I am on my notes. Um, listen, I really want to ask you today, what is Jesus saying to you? How is he guiding you? What is his direction for you today? If I need to hear the voice of God, what I need really, and this is just uh, in finishing, is three things. The first thing I need is a quiet room. A quiet room. You know, I'm so struck by the life and ministry of Jesus where he, everything he does is so counterintuitive. The more popular he gets and the more crowds come towards him, the more he runs away from the crowds and spends time in solitude. And there's this moment in Mark chapter 6 where it's all kicking off and he's perhaps the, as, as popular as he's ever going to be. And, and people are kind of rushing towards him. And he turns to his disciples and he says this. 
uh, it's in Mark chapter 6. He says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. That's the invitation of Jesus to us today. Come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. Very difficult to hear the still, small voice of God in a noisy room. I need a quiet room. The second thing I need is an open Bible. You know, the wonderful thing is that when we're thinking about what is God saying to me and how is he guiding me, so much of the answer to that is in this book. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. It's so useful for teaching me, rebuking me. I don't like the sound of that, but it turns out I need it. Correcting me, don't like the sound of that either, but it turns out I need that too. Training me in righteousness. You know, so many things I could say about the scriptures, but let me just say this. I've never met a single person who genuinely and authentically hears from God who doesn't have a battered Bible. I need a quiet room. I need an open Bible. And the last thing is, I need a loose neck. You say, what are you talking about, loose neck? Well, it turns out that one of the worst things that the Bible can ever say about anyone is that they've got a stiff neck. And you're like, oh, great, that really helps, Chuck. That, that doesn't explain anything. Well, if you were living in the time that the Scriptures were written, then you wouldn't need to uh, have it explained to you. But, but we need Google and Bible commentaries to explain it to us. That uh, everyone at that time was living in an agrarian culture. And pretty much everyone on the face of the earth, except fishermen and shepherds, were um, just living on their land. They were, they were growing whatever they could produce on their land and then eating it. And so I guess several times a year, you'd take your ox or your neighbor's ox and you, you know, if you borrowed it or hired it or something like that, and, and, and then you'd attach a plow to it, and you'd have one hand on the plow, and then you'd have a, in the other hand a really big stick. And uh, you know, obviously you want to try and plow really straight rows, but it's quite hard because the ox wants to go wherever it wants to go. And so what you use is a great big long stick. And if you were to tap the ox on the left shoulder, then his head kind of goes to the left, he starts to veer to the left. You tap it on the right shoulder, he starts to veer the other way. And so, uh, obviously, a really, really great ox is one that has a really highly sensitive neck. You know, so that you, you don't even need to, like, thwack it. You just, just a little gentle tap, just a little hint of a suggestion of a, of a tap on one shoulder and then just a slight tweak in direction. That's what you want. What you don't want is an ox who's the opposite of that. Thick, rubbery, leathery neck, completely insensitive. You know, you give it a great big whack with a huge tree trunk. It's like oblivious, has no idea what you're doing or saying. And then it just carries on doing whatever it wants to do. The, uh, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen, who's the first martyr in the church, he, he's just about to be stoned to death. And he's, the crowd's gathering around him. And he's kind of preaching this amazing sermon. And just right at the very end of his sermon, as it's kind of building to a crescendo, he says this, You stiff-necked people. Your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. In other words, they've not been sanctified to God. You're just like your ancestors. 
you always resist the Holy Spirit. We don't want that to be said of us, that your heart and your ears, they're just not sanctified to God. We don't want people to say of us, you know, you're so unresponsive. You don't listen. You've no idea whether, you know, what we want is God to say to us, do you know what, I can just give you the slightest whisper and you hear it and you respond. I need a loose neck. Friends, let's not settle for any less than full maturity in God. And let's be the kind of people who recognize and respond to the voice of God because he wants to lead us where? Into life and peace. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, We're so grateful that you aren't a God who just leaves us to figure it all out for ourselves, but you are a God who speaks, who guides, who leads. And we want to be a people who respond, who know the shepherd's voice. We so want that. Please help us, God. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to hear. Help us to hear. And it may just be that whilst you're watching this, you're thinking to yourself, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian. I'm not sure I've ever heard the voice of Jesus. But you really want to. You want to walk your... You don't want to spend the rest of your life just figuring out what seems best to you. You want to listen to and recognize the voice of God and to follow that. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus today. And it's totally possible. All you need to do is, I'm going to pray, and you just need to say a similar prayer in your own heart at the same time. And if if that's uh, something that you're doing, please, and you're watching this live uh, on YouTube or Facebook, just put in the chat, it's me, or uh, I'm in, and uh, or maybe a little hand up emoji or or whatever, waving emoji. Um, Just let us know that this is you. Just make a public statement. But let's pray. My Father in heaven, I'm so sorry I haven't lived my life with you or for you. I really want that to change. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Father, I receive your forgiveness into my life. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to hear your voice and to follow where you lead. Amen. Amen. And if that's you, please make sure you let us know in the chat. We'd love that. Okay, I think we're going to continue with our worship. Oh, nobody knows what's happening. Okay. Okay.